ho, ho. Happy connect this. Should have had Doug do that. Would have been way better. Better. Yeah. Tried to move my face away from the mic a bit so it wouldn't be too overwhelming and horrifying, but we can always just set the start date to be right now. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everyone. We have a special show. It's our year-end show, I suppose, unless we decide to get together next week. Unlikely, I think. Uh, but we're going to do some year-end review. We are going to have a special guest at the end of the show. GG Sohn is going to come on and talk a little bit about some national dark money, and we'll talk about whatever else we want to chat with her about at that point. Um, we do have a peekaboo, uh, which is a bit entertaining. We are going to do, uh, talk a little bit about government only fiber networks, which, uh, Doug Dawson wrote about. And then another topic that Doug wrote about, uh, will states lower the cost of building networks? Um, not looking great. I'm just going to spill the beans right there. Um, so we should do an introduction for everyone. So I'm trying to reorder the, that didn't work well. We got Doug Dawson, CCG Consulting, in a festive red Christmas festive. sweater. No, no, that's not festive red. That is Grateful Dead Skeleton Christmas sweater. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, we have Kim McKinley, who is uh, preparing to go out on for a night on the town with Utopia Fiber. At 12.02, cheers, everyone, to an amazing 2023. Wonderful. Nice goblet. And we also have <laughs> Travis Carter, who probably has more than a few Carter of uh, goblets in his collection somewhere. Uh, Travis with USI Fiber. Welcome back, old Trav. Hello, Mr. Mitchell. How are you enjoying our nice uh, balmy fall here? Winter? Are you still digging? It's, uh, uh, it's we December, are, yes. yes December yep, 13th? Uh, yes, Friday, December 13th. Friday is the last day for most of the crews, but um, this has been a very... Uh, it's been a good season, let's put it that way. And yes, wow. I have the uh, appropriately sized goblet for me. So, you know, <laughs> has the uh, dainty little flower goblet. I have the <laughs> large fat boy goblet. So, I just had a chance to spend a little bit of time in Maine with a few people on my team. And we did a, a training on broadband for beginners with uh, AARP Maine that went well. And there, one of the people who was there said that they actually prefer doing cuts in rock in the winter they uh they do a fair amount of uh of uh rock cutting because they got they're on sitting on that granite and yeah. so but they prefer to do it in the winter rather than the summer well anything that to could, keep that temperature down of the drill head i would assume yeah probably probably shatters easier when it's yeah. cold too yep so yeah so let's launch into the peekaboo what do we got <clears throat> peekaboo Oh, I should also say this is a uh, this is Jordan Pittman's uh, initial foray into running the board. So welcome, Jordan. Uh, but we do need the picture to do the peekaboo. There, maybe maybe Rye was helping you and took it back. Um, so this is up on a line somewhere and uh, looks pretty funny. Uh, but what is going on here, <laughs> Travis? Well. I'm not sure we're allowed to show this picture. This might be patent pending. So it looks like <laughs> one of the latest state-of-the-art splice enclosures. Um, looks like they looks like they took a couple of strands and spliced them together and put them in the bottle to protect them from the elements. And the duct tape, I think, is is a nice touch. Do we want to guess? I mean, I'm I'm gonna guess that uh, we got this from a we got this from a viewer. So thank you for contributing. Uh, do we want to guess who this? I'm this to me looks like frontier work to me prior hey. to the bankruptcy. <clears throat> yeah, that 
since the Coke bottle is kind of universal, I'm not sure we can do decide. Yes. But, uh, yes. but somebody's, but some technician said, look, I got to protect this. This is all I got. Cause my company was too cheap to give me another splice case. So yeah. I'm so guessing it was that. Friday yeah. at five o'clock. <clears throat> yeah. Service was down and uh, this was the quickest way to get it back up and running. And of course, and they're, never, and they're never going to go back and fix it. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, it works. Uh, it works fine. Yeah. So. For you know, the beauty of an aerial eco, network. It's an eco-conscious, guys. I mean, if it was Friday at 5, it would have been like a Coors Light bottle, Travis. Yeah. So okay. it's a Coke Sorry. bottle. Well, so it won't work like forever because eventually the, the tape holding it together will crack and split the bottle. Will fall. Yeah, but maintenance. Yes. Maintenance, maintenance still. Like they might go have a maintenance window and just go up and replace the duct tape. You never know. Or they might just go up and replace the bottle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do. I do feel like you know, if you hear stories about supply shortage, I think it's a creativity shortage, is what we yeah. have. Yeah, I that love works. It. Love it. All right, let's uh, let's move on to agenda item number one, which is the year in review. So, what's happening? What happened this year? I, I've got a few things I, to share. I, but I got, we all Kim's got. Put your hand up first. Go I saw ahead. Kim, Kim hand first. up first. I, I got it, but I want to tell you, Chris, what is the broadband? I was just wanted to ask you, what is the de definition of broadband in the U.S. at the end of 2023? The definition of broadband is that Travis is owed free wings. That's what the definition <laughs> of broadband is. It remains at 25 megabits down, 3 megabits up. Um, but I'll just say that um, time has passed the definition by. And since nobody cares what the FCC says or does anymore, it's irrelevant. <laughs> Hold on. Is, is, that, I was is, curious. A, is that a three P now? Yeah, yes. it's a, I mean at this point you're like you're like Tom Brady teamed up with like uh Michael Jordan and uh Joe Namath or something like that. I don't even know. Mm. Uh, none of those look like me. I'd go more like Rodney Dangerfield for older folks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I so here's the year in review, uh, and I, I did steal this from someone who said, you know, way to go, FCC, at this point. Like, you don't distribute money anymore. You're not even in charge of spectrum policy. The NTIA has taken that over. The FCC has lost the faith of everyone, from the White House to the populace to Congress. Uh, nobody expects the FCC to do anything. Welcome to the uh, the diminished expectations of a poorly run agency. That's a pretty good summary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So you're not, you're not going to get any disagreement out of us. So no, gonna, no. Let's move on to the year. What else happened this year that uh, people want to share? My favorite is something that didn't happen. So we just passed the two hour and two year anniversary of the formation of the bead program and absolutely nothing happened in all of 1923. Oh, are you kidding? No, nothing there's like I mean, three or 400 new jobs that have been created in uh, state and federal government to true, manage all stuff. True, true. And lots of money spent on that effort, but, but, you know, two whole years and there's no grant money ready to go out the door yet. So. But what did happen along with those jobs? Ah, second thing did happen. Something did happen. Go. One thing. Go. And this is Travis's item. We'll let him carry it. The maps came out, Travis. Do you want to talk about <laughs> Well, I thought that, is that over now or are they still doing that? No. Oh, that's... the maps are still going on and okay, uh, okay. that's going to keep happening. But the maps were your highlight of your year, weren't they, Travis? Well, they got the most rants of 2023, I would say. But that's actually seemed to taper off now with the what version two maps. We haven't gotten a Mitchell rant on that, or yeah, because I mean, at this point, it's just um, it doesn't matter anymore. They gave the money out. 
Yeah, it's like if you have a if you have a child that you love who's who's like uh, made some bad choices and is in jail. Like, are you gonna complain about that every day, or just you know you kind of get used to it at a certain point? Like, it's just okay, just gets normal, huh? Yeah. Tra- Travis, yeah. what you, what happened is you defeated. They defeated Chris Mitchell's positivity with those maps. They finally got to where Chris didn't have hope in something, okay. and that was the maps. He's oh no, that. there's there's hope. There's absolutely hope. And the hope is in the uncertainty. <laughs> um, <laughs> Rebecca Rebecca Solnit has written about this and uh, I think she's very sharp on it. Uh it is uncertainty in which lies hope. And I uh, and I was talking about this with someone um oh regarding the Middle East um situation between um uh, Israel and Palestine and uh and I was saying that I cannot imagine what a solution will be that we won't be all horrified at, at what is happening uh, over there and that there will be a solution. But in the eighties um, people thought that the Soviet union would be around forever and there was no way to, to deal with it. And, you know, things change and it's in the uncertainty where we have hope. So I have no idea how the FCC gets back on top of its game. Uh, I, I can't see a path to it, but the fact that uh, there is uncertainty out there means that it could happen. And in our lifetime. Okay. Okay, did you just compare broadband maps to the end of the Soviet Union? Yeah, I just he have did. to ask. <laughs> he did. You know why? I don't think it was a comparison. It was an <laughs> illustration. He is he, again. He's shooting for the digital Emmys here. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the, the maps came out, um, there, we talked, so we actually did record our community broadband bits year end episode, but it won't run until next week. So, uh, on there, I will spill the beans that, uh, we did expect there to be more controversy around just how awful that whole thing was. And in the end, it turns out nobody cares. Uh, so broadband, no one cares. There is something else that happened this year that Travis should comment on. Uh, I think we finally saw the supply chain come back to normal. Mm-hmm. Did it come yeah. back to normal? Well, I, 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 I'd like to hear. That yes. was one of them, yes. <clears throat> I mean, to me, I'm curious about this because, like, this is tied into your first comment, Doug, about how the money came out and hasn't been spent yet, although, you know, it takes a while to spend $42.5 billion without, um, without just – giving it away and having um, a lot more of the uh, misappropriation than I think we may be likely to see. Uh, but it led, it had played some role perhaps in uh, the way the companies like Nokia, I feel like are really down on their luck, right? I mean, Nokia in particular is taking it on the chin at the end of the year here with the AT&T announcement about moving over to, to uh, Ericsson. Um, but uh, the supply chain came down in part because those companies ramped up and I feel like they ramped up at the time the market was like going down and they found themselves in a pretty bad place. It's good for Travis's warehouses. All the big guys have a year's worth of stuff in a warehouse still. So that's not good for the vendors. Yeah. But Travis, how did, how's your supply chain going? Well, so as you can imagine, like everybody else did, you, we ramped up like crazy you know, when the, when the uncertainty in the supply chain and filled up an entire 40,000 square foot warehouse full of parts, bits and pieces. And then I think the vendors ramped up their production to offset what they thought was going to be the new influx of orders off the bead dollars. That didn't happen. And so now the vendors are scrambling to sell you anything while we have plenty of inventory which sadly overlays with what I think is the number one challenge of 2023 was the interest rate, you know, uh, raising, raising, uh, as the bankers would say, 600 basis points in nine months, or for us normal folks, 6% increase in nine months while you're sitting on millions of dollars of inventory, 
yeah, it's a it's a tough recipe. It's a tough recipe. So the the things for me is supply chain. You can get what you need when you need it right now, right away. Everybody has it. You're paying tremendously more for those assets. And I guess I would leave the lastly is what I call the fiber boomerang, which is a few customers going over to the cell phone in a box products and then coming right back after they realize they can't run their ceiling fan while they're on their Zoom call. So, <laughs> um, so, that, so that's been fun to watch. Those the are my three the, the ceiling fan always gets a mention. I do love the oh, yeah. ceiling fan. Well, that and the mentioned. 6 gigahertz uh, FCC under Ajit Pai, which, by the way, shout now out. That, it's now that's five not, years that's, now, that's, man. Yeah, that's a long time ago. But um, it's, now, it's good. Now here's, a, here's another thing about the supply chain. So originally we thought B was the awards, which judged over three, four, five years. And now it looks like they're going to award almost all that money next year. That's good. It makes 25 brutal. All of a sudden, that 40 billion is going to come to bear all at the same time. So, all of a sudden, there are going to be shortages again just because of that. So, I think so. I think what you're seeing too. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to ask how much of that 40 billion actually goes to parts and pieces? Probably 30%. Okay. Yeah. Which is a lot. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Kim? I would say that what I think that we're starting to see, and it was a prediction, that private equity is starting to fail um, in this space. And you're starting to see people who jumped in this space because they saw a gold rush. And now they are here, like seeing and hearing how hard it is. I talked to some big companies last week and they were like, yeah, I think we were a little um, uh, not prepared for what this actually entails by building a network. So I think that that is... Um, that came true in 2023 as well. Yeah, it turns out that this is hard work, huh, Travis? I mean, I, I just come back to one of the stories I was told by some folks that were sub, sub, subs, I guess, of, on some of this Google fiber projects, which, uh, you know, you you have these people who are like, ah, we're with Bechtel, and uh, we'll make those utilities work on our on our schedule. And then, you know, Google's like, we're Google. People are going to change their processes for us. And then they find out that, uh, no, uh, the, the owners of polls do what they will. And the rest of us suffer what we must to appropriate a saying. <laughs> Doug. Well, I, Travis has two more on his list. It's his turn. No, he went through all three. Oh, he did? Interest rate, uh, supplies, and the boomerang of fiber. So those were kind of my three um, topics for 23. And, of course, the never-ending victory of the FCC speed, but I don't want to talk too much about that. (laughs) Well, we did finally resolve one of the bets, and we got a fifth FCC commissioner finally after three years. So, no, you know, it's been too early to know. Does that make a difference yet? We'll find out. Um, Well, I mean – they they passed they passed more ambitious rules than they might have otherwise, right? So the digital discrimination rule, which I think we've agreed, will result in no real change from the FCC. Um, and I think that local groups may be able to use the passage of it in productive ways, but the FCC is not going to do anything with it. But having five commissioners meant they could have a more ambitious rule they don't enforce, as opposed to the less ambitious rule they would have had with four commissioners that they also would not have enforced. That was quite a sentence there. I had to mm-hmm. think twice. Think twice to I'm still I'm still processing it. I'm still processing it, Doug. Um, it's, yeah, it comes back to it comes back to if you're not going to do something anyway, you might as well not do something big rather than not doing something small. All right. 
Let's focus on the positive of what happened in 2023, guys. How many more homes did pass with fiber this year? A lot. Um, We're at more than 50% now, right? And I think that's a huge accomplishment. I'm not sure I believe that number, but it's a lot. That seems. Way to go, Doug. Way to be the sour note. (laughs) I keep looking at markets and I don't see anywhere near that in the maps. It's just like, where are those homes? So I. That's a lot of homes. Most of the big cities do not have fiber. Mm. That's where you have to get what the big know, cities up what, there. What do you mean by don't have fiber? Like I, at this point, I would assume that all major cities have some small amount of fiber, at least. I mean, like yes, like Lumen, but, Century. You know, like yes. they've they've done but, some, and but they're not fifty percent covered. A lot of them. My house is covered now, and uh, and I feel like I was going to be in the second half, so yeah, <laughs> must be here. Uh, it could be true. I just don't see it looking at the maps because you can map fiber, and so. Could could be true. So, Doug, you only say that because you're still on cable, and the rest of us, are, Travis, are you on fiber? Because I'm on fiber. Chris is on Tra- fiber. Travis, Travis is probably on Starlink. <laughs> no, today I'm on I'm on Doxus today. So, no, but I think you know the question in my mind, Doug, would be like, how are they counting apartment buildings? And right. you know, have we just had a massive increase? Because I do feel like if you look, if you go back to continue our year in review um, since. The this isn't the year in review, but um, five years ago, I felt like an apartment building was the worst place to be for connectivity. You probably didn't have a choice. It probably was a, was using older technology. And now I feel like there's a, a bunch of business models that are going after apartment buildings solely and trying to get them well connected. And so maybe it's a whole lot of new units that came online in different cities that push that number up rapidly. Okay, that could be, could be. Uh, one other positive thing for the year, which was very un very surprising and unexpected is that the fixed wireless access, the cable companies added three and a half million customers last year out of nowhere. I mean, for the fourth quarter, the last quarter of this year, cable companies altogether added 8,000 customers nationwide, and that was all charter. So they're all losing customers. And that came out of nowhere. No one expected that. Fixed wireless, just Verizon and AT&T now have 6% of all broadband customers in the country. No, I think that's huge. That's monstrous. That is huge. Well, and I, and my impression is the equity analysts, I think, looking at that, felt like this would be a blip, right, and that it would settle off. And well, well now the T-Mobile guys are saying they're gonna their goal is to get the fifteen percent of the market, and the only way they get there is somebody else loses nine percent of the market. So, I mean, I think part of this is that. Um, people are conditioned to not having good service. Right. Right. And, and I think they're sort of like, well, if I can save money and not have great service, does it really matter that much to me? Um, You know, I, I switched over to fiber and um, it is really nice in some respects In other respects, I'm still constrained by some of my internal issues. And so as you get better and better, the difference is lesser. Wait a minute, uh, Travis. It took him only how many weeks to start complaining about his fiber? I'm not complaining about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited I got rid of the bandwidth cap. I, as I look back on it, the biggest difference is the bandwidth right. cap. Because Comcast gave me the mid the, the the mid split. Once I was up to 250 megabit of upload, at that point going, you know, tripling that or quadrupling it isn't that big of a deal. But going from 40 to 250 sure was a difference. Yes. But an interesting thing actually adding adding to a fourth element for 2023. And I don't know, Kim, um, are you guys doing multi-gig out there yet? Uh, two, five, we and are. Yeah, we have. Well, we just have a, a one and a 10. We didn't go with the two and five, but we, we do have a 10 offering. I cannot believe, and I would have I actually lost this bet about the substantial 
uptake mm -hmm. in our two and a half gig product since we released it. I, I'm I'm floored. I, I thought we yeah. would be talking in the one to twos, and in we're talking like in the forties to fifties in just three weeks. Will you wow. will you will you look at that, Travis, and tell us um, whether it's you know not today necessarily, but in a future show? I'd love to know what the utilization is. Like I'm wondering how many people out there are still running a one gig WAN and they're just excited about having the two and a half, but they're really not even tapping into it. Like how many of them ever of burst above one gig? Nobody. No, Nobody. Well, yeah. And I think a lot of it, and I, I have, this is not a very scientific study. I think a lot of it is people that have their internet paid for by the companies they work for. Mm -hmm. they just, uh -huh. That's they, exactly they, it. They just That's order exactly whatever's the best thing. They don't yeah. you know. And so, when, when they were paying, there's another, there's another group too. The millennials all want the best. The yeah. Fast well, period. yeah, we yeah. have over like probably 500 customers on 10 gig right now and residential service. And you're like, what are you using it for? What is the consumer grade device you're using it for? Um, how are you utilizing it? It's, it's fascinating to see yes. that even though we're at 25, three as our broadband standard, how many people are saying, if you have more that they want more. And yeah, if you put in a, if you put in a two, if you put in a two, you'd have thousands and thousands on it. So yeah, I'm I'm just confused because mm -hmm. I. I really want to have like, you know, two and a half or five gigabit internally for when I'm swapping around a few hundred gigs of files, whether it's video or, or images, which I do frequently. Um, and I just can't figure out a way to easily get that set up in my house. Like there's just, um, there's no well, good consumer equipment. Well, you have to buy a commercial grade. Yeah, server from out of a data center. They're really expensive. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I mean, like, uh -oh. so I use Synology and they have like, you know, a 10 gig expansion card that I can throw into to many of the network attached storage unit devices. But um, I still have to find, you know, like even because I want like I want like a 20 port switch. I don't want a five port switch. You can find like a 2.5 gigabit five port. OK, but it's just it's but I thought but you have just said you have to have a machine that will switch that fast. The ports alone don't get you there. Yeah. So. Yeah. So no, I was I, I, to, I, I was impressed, and I, I think one of the real drivers ultimately is going to be the quality of Wi-Fi devices you get with uh -huh. two and a half gig WAN ports. So you're, you know, it's still the number one question people don't understand: why can't I get gigabit from my wireless uh -huh. device? And you explain it, you explain it, you explain it, but you know, with that six gigahertz spectrum that was approved a few years back, and you know, two and a half gig port, you, you can get gigabit speeds on your wireless device. So Kim, you were gonna I was okay. gonna say because I'm gonna respond to Mike's comment um that was up on the screen about Utopia. Mike, stay tuned. I don't know if we'll have a two and a half gig, but there is a meeting probably I think next week um talking about what our 10 gig price is going to lower to. So uh just absolutely stay tuned. That should ha be happening at the beginning of the year. And I assume if you have a two and a half gig WAM port, plug it into your 10 gig Device will be good, huh? Okay. Now, now, just to finish the last thought, there are Wi-Fi seven routers hitting the street, and they're supposedly up to six and ten gigs. So, and I'm going to see yes in a few weeks. So you you can uh, Chris, if you want to do Roger on the on what he thinks is happening at CES again this year, he uh, ah. got me to got me to go. Um, so I will be on the floor with him and I will get to go. He can give the geek advice. I will give the practical person of what this means advice. Awesome. Oh, that was fun last year. He did a great job. <laughs> yeah. Let's do that again for sure. That's a good idea.
Yep. Well, the yeah. only other question I had today, and Ruben just answered it, I was kind of worried it was a 24 minutes in and we hadn't seen him. So I was wondering if anyone knew where he was, but he is here. Welcome. <laughs> any any other reflections on, on the year? Um, well, here's one more for Travis. <clears throat> this is the year that uh, Toronto radios really hit the street. So, I mean, oh. there, there were test radios out the year before, but we're seeing some really fast wireless speeds. Again, get them out of the city and your problems there. That's a pretty darn impressive product in a rural place. You know, I, I I think their new radio that does the you know the three six five, the five, and the six gigahertz could could be something. You know, especially yeah. out out in rural areas. Uh, you know, it's 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 a it's a spectrum conversation, right? So if you've got right. a three hundred twenty megahertz channel, you can you can get quite a bit of bits through it. Um, so I, I think there there is the right application. But as my friend out in runs a wisp out here in minnesota if you don't have fiber fed to those towers it's it's irrelevant anyways the the it's going to become a backhaul conversation again it's kind of like these things flip up all the time so if you've got fiber to the tower you can you can take advantage of it yeah i have one more i have one more thought for the year is i am super happy to see all the, the creative models that are coming out of cities and communities across the country and i'm also to see the diversity that this industry is bringing in right now from the females to the um, to minorities to the youth, it's really an exciting time in the broadband industry, and I'm I'm really happy to be a part of it. Yeah, it's been a major shift over the last few years, uh, and I would say also the you know I made a, a crack about one of the things that Beat has accomplished is there's hundreds of new government jobs to develop these plans and develop the programs to distribute the money and then to um, do all the other work around that. But a lot of those folks that are coming in uh, are people who are coming in from other backgrounds, right? They worked in healthcare, they worked in uh, education, they worked in uh, in other things. They're coming in without that AT&T mindset and that's huge. They're not going to just think that the world is is uh, is uh, has to be run by uh, the big cable and telephone companies. Hey, that's a. I'm taking that personally since 40 years ago. I worked for AT and T. Forty years. Forty years ago. How many iterations well, of AT and T ago was that? About about 11, I think. Yeah. I do have um, one Doug, last. I have one. Doug, last I was three. I was three when you were working at AT and T. I'm a little frightened yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure if you guys are aware of the power of this particular show because it was just announced that the central bank is going to maintain rates where they're at. And they're gonna, and they're going to reduce them by uh, uh, three three quarters of a point next year. So this was all because of your comment. Trevor. Yeah, I, I I didn't realize the power. So I would I would tell the central bank that there's going to be six thousand homes that are happy they did that because that's less money going to them and more money going into construction. So well, I'm going to go would... lock down that certificate of deposit before uh, the show ends. Yes. So exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Get, get your twelve yes. months locked in. Yes. Last interesting thing, Chris, the FCC just fined two ISPs $22 million for dropping 7,600 bead commitments. That's almost 3,000 uh, bucks. Right? Ardoff, right? That's, that's 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 almost 3,000 bucks each a penalty. Now, part of that's getting their money back for the first two payments, but that's they're, they've been wimpy on a lot of things, but they're obviously very serious about they don't want you to drop your Ardoff commitment. That's a lot of yeah. penalties. So. And they affirmed that LTD is kaput. They are not giving money to LTD. Yes. And, and same thing with Starlink, which yes. uh, those are the right decisions. And uh, I think 
I think a year ago we were predicting, or maybe it was a little bit more, but I, I was definitely wrong in predicting that the FCC would just do nothing and let them hang in limbo, which I think is unfair. But the FCC stood up, made its decision, stood by, and I salute them for that. Well, and it turns and, out that they were right. I mean, Starlink averages mm -hmm. nationwide 58 megabit down. That's they're not they're not they don't fit the broadband definition that they want them to have. So. Which is Kim? what, 25? <laughs> I was like, I was just going to comment on Ruben's comment in the chat that the, the FCC did do something, something to celebrate, guys. Where's the, uh, where's the, the balloons? Yes. <laughs> the, uh, regarding I, 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 I just figured that they had a payroll coming up and they need a 22 million. I, I was going to say, what, <laughs> what they did is fine somebody. That's nothing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Actually, they, they had some huge fines this year. They had a $70 million fine. Can we find them for the maps? <laughs> we well, I think that's worth about what, $90 million? I'm just curious, you know, as, yes. as, as, as my fellow taxpayers on here, are we able to find them for that job? I mean, I don't know well, how that works. So, well, uh, well, not what you say. It a few minutes later, it becomes true. Well, so I'll, I'll keep watching the news here because we did take yes. care of the interest rate thing. So, right, so do that. Yeah, next. Well, <laughs> remember, they, they find some of those, you know, crappy telemarketers 70 million bucks a year for, for bothering people Ooh. with emails. Yeah. So, right, yeah. The and so I was at an event with uh, Drew Clark, uh, his digital infrastructure events. So we were there last week. And uh, the guy who runs the uh, – Rick, who runs the Maryland broadband office said – I don't know if I misunderstood what he was saying, but I believe he said that nowhere in Maryland can you currently get Starlink service. Everywhere is on a wait list. That so, could be true. It would be a little surprising on the far southeastern shore and way up in the mountains, but it's possible. So, Yeah. yeah. And then – the uh, the other thing that I wanted to share um, regarding that has leapt out well, of my head. Let me let me finish the last one. Now remember, Starlink put up over twenty five hundred satellites this year. That's yeah. helping to solve that problem. So that's sure. a lot of satellites. Yeah. And, yeah. and as a Starlink user, it is it is impressive. Yes. I mean, compared yeah. to cell phone internet, I mean, cell phone yeah. internet is horrible, but uh, Starlink's pretty good. I did. I, so this is something that I wouldn't share if I actually thought I was going to do it, but I think it would be fun for someone to go through the digital discrimination order and then specify all the ways in which the federal government has engaged in massive digital discrimination in terms of where it puts money. $100 billion toward uh, rural broadband service, very little to, to, to solve the urban challenges. Uh, there's a lot of discrimination happening there. Well, I think that's a pretty good research project for IOSR. It sounds like a paper to me and a grant. Who's going to get you? Go get a grant for it. Grant. Yeah, okay. A, a government grant. I that's how it works. I'll just go do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. ACP. This is a quick one because we don't want to dwell. Um, uh, there's, there, is there hope for the ACP? Um, you know, six months ago, we were saying there are a few pieces of must-pass legislation that will be signed by the end of the year or the government will shut down and bad things will happen. That was under yeah. Speaker McCarthy. Speaker McCarthy left. And if you watched political analysts who advise Wall Street. I'm not talking about the people who always get it wrong on CNN, but get invited back because they have white teeth and big smiles. The people that <laughs> actually have to get this stuff right for a living, those people were like, yeah, we don't know if Congress is actually going to do anything ever again at this point. And the whole my disaster... favorite, my favorite. How do you get on CNN? Big smile and white teeth. Yeah, oh, yeah. it really helps. Huge. Uh, you don't have to know what you're saying, but you have to be very confident when you say it. 
That's that's a key. You have to be able to say nothing in 30 seconds very confidently with a big smile. Um, he said that very confidently. Did you mm. see that? So. I'm trying out. <laughs> my, teeth, my teeth aren't white enough, but they're soon going to be AI that will just fix them up on the fly. Um, so the anyway, ACP was, was hoped to be attached to some of this must-pass legislation. And you know what? There's no must-pass legislation anymore. Like it doesn't so, seem like it. Yeah. There, we I think at this point the people who are handicapping this stuff are expecting that Congress will not be putting more money into the ACP. So in April it will run out of money unless the White House finds some money in the couch cushions and moves it over to help give it a little bit of extra space. But I think is going to be ugly. We'll talk about that more in our predictions show when uh, Roger and Kim are in CES. But um, I just got to say that it's been uh, it's been a year of demoralization of the ACP uh, watching uh, that program yeah. uh, hang out, hung out to dry. But can yeah, we comment I, I, on I can't, Ruben's I, comment before you go yes. into ACP? Yeah, sure. just, just comment on this. It is the best comment I've seen all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard anybody use Radio Shack. Or Radio Shack, business. yeah. I think it's just the Shack now, but I appreciate <laughs> the, the legacy. Doug, what were you going to say? The well, Shack. You know, my expectations have sunk and sunk and sunk. I just cannot see this Congress getting their act together. It's unfortunate. Uh, and what will happen, I think it will eventually get refunded. But they let it completely collapse and everybody get thrown off. They got to start all over to get people on it again. It's going to be a disaster if that happens. Yeah, I was just talking to a, a municipal ISP this morning who they were they were unwrapping their big campaign to get people signed up for it. And and I don't want to tell them not to do it, but at the same time, it's like, don't do it. <laughs> what about all these people who are hired as digital navigators and their whole job is only to sign people up for the ACP? Right. Yeah. No, and... and uh, I, I, okay, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna harp on it. any last comments on that. Like, let's. My, my let's comment is, it's, it's gonna run out. It's gonna cause a huge controversy, and then it's gonna get refunded. Um, but there will be a gap. But there will be yeah, a gap. There will yeah. be a gap. I, I believe. There I'm will not be sure a gap, it'll be refunded. Um, we'll, we can do this out on our predictions, but my prediction right now is that it's gonna be there's gonna be USF reform at some point. But that ACP, um, aside for the White House trying to scramble, um, I don't think Congress is gonna put more money into ACP. Well, even if it comes back, it'll be half of what it is. They're going to cut the requirement down and give it to less people is my prediction. Yeah. So super disappointing. Um, now, one of the things that Doug wrote about recently is fiber only uh, networks. And the uh, Doug, why don't you tell us what this is and, and what's important here? Almost everywhere you go, the government owns fiber networks. They're for connecting schools, for connecting the buildings in a city, for traffic lights. I mean, there are all sorts of reasons they own these fiber networks. Vast majority of them don't have any commercial people on the network. And a lot and most of them have a whole lot of empty fibers. So they'll build a 96 fiber, use 12 of them, and the other 80 are just sitting there, right? And and they do this for years. And this is the same time when all these cities are saying, we'd like someone to bring a solution to these cities, or we'd like to get broadband out to the rural areas. I was working with the county who complained about that. And then I found that they had this giant countywide network, and they didn't even bring that up as part of the conversation. It's like, you already go to those parts of the county. And they're like, we do? Like, yes, you do. Uh, th the fact is, there's just a huge amount of an untapped asset. Now, a lot of it's not useful because it's not going where someone wants to go. But if it was all made available, people would lease it. They could give it away. You know, well, and, and even so the cities yeah. would use more. 
Even right. the cities would use it more. The cities right. don't even know that the asset is like the right. the electrical department might be using it, but the oh, somebody no. else on the other side. The might traffic department, the traffic, the traffic lights might be hooked up the network that no one else in the city is using. That's exactly absolutely. And it's crazy. And so we're just sitting on this giant untapped asset. Some of it was not allowed to be used because of the way it got funded, which means the Comcast and AT and T guys got into the writing of the contract of the funding. You know, it's literally it's their prohibition against it. Most of it, it's not under those kind of restrictions. It's just sitting empty. Um, and, and it's just it's just a waste of a natural natural government resource. It's there's no right, and, then, and then you also have the potential of using a program like E-Rate to build a new yeah. network that would get around town and work with a company. I mean, this is something that I would yeah. have loved to see Travis do in St. Paul, where he would work with the city to, um, you know, to build out to all the schools, um, also build out to the city's anchor institutions, and then have a network throughout the city that he mostly didn't have to pay for, and then be able to expand to the home from there. Right, right. But local governments just aren't doing that. And when you try to talk to them about it, their eyes glaze over. Right. Well, one remember though, one did. We did that in one community here where we used the city fiber to hook up all the low-income MDUs in the area. And then from there we we hooked up a bunch more MDUs. We used that the revenue that came out of there. And now next year we'll have the entire city covered in fiber. And the because only reason they, but they did it because they let you start on the city. Yeah, right? it, and it was it was I couldn't even believe it. You know, normally everything is complicated when you deal with the government. With this particular town, it was easier than ordering a circuit from um, a new cell phone circuit to get. But a, was it a smaller town? Was it a smaller? Yeah, town? and the CIO, the CIO of the town was probably one of the best I've ever met. It's you know, known as being yeah. one of the better run, uh, you know, cities or suburbs. Yeah, uh, you know, and I, the converse of that is the um, uh, one of the suburbs of. Uh, Virginia, where, you know, they were basically like, um, here's a 50 page document that's filled with legalese. You got to sign here and then you can pick it up in the middle of the street, uh, yeah. wherever you happen to be. And, um, you know, you have to figure out how to get into it yourself. And uh, that's not going to work so well. Yeah, this was a one page, like 20 year IRU point to point. I mean, it was awesome. And it took less than a week to get the order approved. That's Kim the way it should be. Well, what I'm going to say is that there's a negative side to this, and I agree with Doug wholeheartedly that there's a lot of asset of government-owned fiber in the ground that people could be utilized differently. But what I did see during COVID and ACP was a lot of the cities took it in their own hands to run their own network in their cities and run an own ring so they could at least reduce their telecom costs um, by owning that network um, a lot more than they ever have and going to the commercial sector. Um and oh, so I'm 100% in favor of that. And that's how most yeah. of these networks got started. They didn't want to yeah. pay Comcast, so they built their own. But then it's like, but then you didn't share the excess. Yeah. But I think that's where they don't even know where to go because they don't even know what they don't know is, is mm -hmm. the problem. They're like, I have this asset, but most of them are not technologists and they don't know. And I had this conversation the other day with somebody who's like, well, if we make this contract, I said, that's great if you make the contract, but in a few years when there's new staff in this place and there's new city officials, nobody's going to remember what this contract really said and nobody's probably going to go and look at it. So you have to make sure you have a legacy and a communication style that goes through the whole entity through the years as well. Yep. Yep. This leads right into the, the next discussion, which is 
uh, whether sit, whether states are lowering the cost of construction. Um, this was something that in the beginning of BEAD uh, was a recognition that a lot of this money would be used to replace poles and and uh, do a lot of other work that isn't immediately related to uh, actually connecting people. And we talked about whether or not states would be taking action. I think at that time, maybe earlier this year, Doug noted that there was not a single bill in any legislature of the state in which uh, the state was seriously looking at how to lower the cost of, of building out. Um, you know, I think some states like Florida, I think, looked at uh, charter legislation and charter spectrum was able to push through legislation to shift costs. But that was really just to benefit charter, not to benefit anyone else. Uh, and so states have not taken seriously their roles in trying to reduce this, with the exception of like New York removed an unnecessary fee, right? I mean, we talked about that when it happened. But for the most part, states have not done the sorts of things you're talking about, Doug, in terms of even assessing their assets and figuring out what they could share and that sort of a thing. Well, what prompted me to write this was I saw an article that someone wrote just a few weeks ago that said, there's still plenty of time for states to act if they want to get all these things in place for beat. It's like, no, this is now finally too late. Well, no, it, they could do it next year. I mean, you know. Well, they could, but to do anything meaningful, it has to be out. It has to get through the bureaucracy first. I mean, even if they started tomorrow, it's pretty hard to change these kind of things overnight, right? Mm -hmm. and the kind of things we're talking about, to be clear here, permitting, you know, rights-of-way acquisition, Again, using these existing assets, uh, they, the FCC suggested that they go fix their pole attachment processes. I mean, all the things that everyone says, this is the problem, uh, states, and, and B, unfortunately, suggested states do that instead of mandating that states did that. So a few states at least talked about it. I, I don't see that anyone made any significant changes. And that's a real shame because that's how you get more fiber, making it easier. How much could the city make your life easier, Travis? Well, yeah, it's really it's it's more probably the I don't know the county's not bad. You know, after fourteen years of doing it, you know we've kind of the thing is once you know all the people, it's a little bit easier. But if you're trying to go into a brand new area and you're an unknown entity, whew, good luck. That's what I was yeah. thinking about, Travis, was yeah. like whether there, you know, whether if there's ideas for you, have, like if you were to start expanding out into um, into a lower density area, uh, you know, what what are problems would you anticipate having? Well, lower density areas are actually fairly easy because the the permitting, there's only usually like one person that handles it. Um, the, the metro areas are the more complex. And of course, if you get into any federal government thing, you know, like any of their land, that's incredibly complicated. But any of our land. Well, yeah, our land. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I, I, again, I don't, I don't know how complicated it is. It's just, it takes time, you know? So like we, well, there's yeah. an area here that, that we want to cross. Uh, we put the permit in three years ago. We're hoping to get it next year. Okay. Here's the, so uh, here's the, I'm here's the devil's advocate. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to well, I was going to be the devil's advocate because there's a lot of these companies who are not like Travis, who are not like Utopia, who don't want to do the right thing and they don't have all the great like causes to get these permits. So cities have to be cautious of when they issue permits in some of these regards because there's not everybody who is well intended when they're going out to get them. So the city has to protect their own in, their own interests as well. Yeah, when they're stringing but, their fiber up, you don't want them disturbing your Coke bottle. Well, right. Kim, and I don't know if you see this. You know what I've, I've kind of come to conclude? 
The permitting is not the problem. What they're most worried about, and maybe this is where Kim was going, they're worried yeah. about the restoration. Well, it is that. It's, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. To get the permitting to go to the restoration. So they're, they're almost going past the permitting, not just giving it to them yeah. because they're worried about what the outcome will be and how they're going to have to deal with the, 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 the residents and the shitty excuse me, crappy construction yeah. methodologies. I, I would tell anyone that's getting into building a network, spend the vast majority of your time on restoration and make sure you do it well. Because the last Absolutely. thing that the city wants to hear from is, you know, 500 taxpayers that, mm -hmm. you, that you messed up their petunias. If you hear from none, they're real happy to give you permits because they bill mm -hmm. you for them. I mean, they, you pay for them. They're expensive. So the city's motivated to, to, to give you permits. What they don't want to deal with is, is restoration problems. Well, somebody asked me this. A big telco, I had a conversation with a guy from big telco last week. And he said to me, they're struggling um, on building in some areas. And he said, I said, yeah, the permitting pro pro like process can get a little complicated. And he was like, well, so if you're not a jerk to the permitting people, you probably have better oh. luck. And I was like, yes, you will. It's a relationship and you do not need to treat them like their employee. You need to treat them like they're another human sitting in front of you and that you both need something from each other. And I would imagine big companies are not very good at doing what no. you just said. Yeah. And he was like, he was a little frustrated because he knew his company was not um, being the relationship builders. And he was like, and that's probably where some of our real big struggles well, are coming from. Part of that problem is they also don't keep the same person in the same job very long. Absolutely. Yeah. A person is good at permitting and let them stay there for 20 years. Right. So, well, not just, and not just that, but mm -hmm. to go even one further, then they have unrealistic expectations uh, about that person. So that person is trying to figure out how to build. And, you know, what it comes down to, I think, is then you're behind schedule and you, then you start getting angry and frustrated if everything doesn't go your way. So, um, and that's where I feel like, this is what the private equity folks, to get back to what Kim said earlier, um, I think that's what, when they thought that they could scale these things so much, they just didn't appreciate that, you know, kind of like you cannot scale an ant up to be the size of Godzilla. Like the math doesn't work. You can't scale a fiber operation in one year to be 10X. It just doesn't work. Well, we still saw some announcements this year of companies who don't have one ISP customer who said, I now have a deal with the city to build 500,000 people. And I just sit there going, yeah, good luck with that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they don't even have the staff yet. So like now they run out to hire the staff and somehow that's going to become a coherent team who doesn't make every beginner mm -hmm. mistake that we all have made in our life. Mm -hmm. Because there's a whole lot of bad ways to build fiber, but you learn not to do those anymore. And a brand new company is going to make every rookie mistake in the book. So. Well, well, and, and, Juan, and Juan's right here, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, sprinklers dog, you know how many dog fences those electric fences we mm. fix year? oh yeah um because nobody marks them so when you when you not. through but i will disagree Wait, with that, that's not I, true that's not true the dogs mark them every day <laughs> <laughs> I, I would disagree with one because i've had probably at least 50 people yell at me about their petunias or you know oh, they, absolutely yeah but they, they they are equally angry about their sprinkler they're and they're equally angry about their dog fence and sometimes people are just equally angry about anything and well and i think that's important travis and i think you guys do this but to take rest taking um video before you do construction to make sure your restoration is as um good as possible because there's not there's so many people who destroyed their um their driveway 10 years ago that they will call and blame you for oh, destroying yeah. their driveway and you have to have proof it's a balancing act but i would agree with you i've heard more about grandma 
planted those flowers 15 years ago, um, then you destroyed them, then sprinklers. Usually people are a little more um, reasonable about sprinkler repairs than they are about but, like but they, very emotional. They, they do not understand that those were not on their property. They were in public right away. Oh, that's oh, a absolutely. conversation. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. Yes. So my, my father just had... Um, uh, solar put in uh, PV on the roof of his uh, garage. And uh, when they were running the electric cable to the house, uh, they went through the Comcast coax cable from the pole. And uh, Comcast came out um, a day later. I think my dad had to like, originally Comcast was like, we'll be in a week. And uh, my dad was like, nope. And uh, called enough times that whatever, they got him someone out there the next day. Um, and the electric company, the, the installers had said they would pay for pay for Comcast costs. Comcast said, nope, it's on the house. We don't we don't charge for the restoration. Uh, and so is, we have to wonder how often does that happen where you have both sides willing to pay? It wasn't worth the paperwork because they would have to put mm -hmm. in a legal formal complaint, which took more money than just doing it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's paperwork. Oh, yeah. And to put that in that. perspective, most sprinkler mm -hmm. fixes and most dog fence fixes are 10 to 15 minutes. Right. And and literally three dollars worth of parts, so it's they're not hard to fix. So you but, just like if you hit it, your crew knows it. Do they just like get it, hunker down and fix it right there and then, or what? Well, they well, see. Normally, you don't know. You only know when mm -hmm. when, the, when the sprinkler system comes right. on. So or when, or if, when the dog runs away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. If the call comes in by noon, we'll have it fixed by five, no cost at all. No, I think that's the, the key, right? You don't know. We call it here, yeah. and I don't know what you call it, Travis, but we call it sprinkler season. I know in some of our communities when secondary water turns on, April. because April. You, yeah. You, yeah. you find out every place you hit and everybody calls in. But those restoration issues get more customers every day of the week if you mm -hmm. show up the same day than any amount of marketing that is on the street. Amen. People just Amen. want to be seen. And, and they want it resolved. I mean, I, yeah, mm -hmm. amen, Kevin. Those are the things that resonate through social media. Absolutely. I, I called. They were fixed by the end of the day. Can't believe it. Mm -hmm. yeah, that, you know, you want to you want to drive that. But some of these things you just don't know. Now, water mains and gas Wait, mains. If, but if you can get these folks to watch this show, we could get a digital, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. digital Emmy. We're going for the digital we're Emmy. We're going for the there. digital Emmy. <laughs> I think the the way that you get there is to talk a lot about it. Uh, <laughs> I think so too. You got to start the hype. Yes. yes. Um, so we are expecting at any moment. I think Gigi Sohn will will come through and uh, we'll be talking about dark money. But in the meantime, I'm curious if anyone has any other questions, or I can go back through my my uh, older list to see what we haven't covered in the past. I just think it's an exciting time, Chris. I think it's an exciting time and we can complain every day of the week about what's not going right, but there's a lot going right. I, I talk to friends across many industries right now and everybody's frustrated and angry because where the markets are or where the markets aren't. And we're luckily in an industry that is just in its pinnacle of, of the gold rush. And I think it's just very, it's like, I'm very excited to be here. I mean, I'm wearing sequins for this lovely occasion. <laughs> um, but, yeah, well, yeah, that's, it's that's nice. Let me let me throw this out there then, because it's related to this, and it's not a prediction that would be good for the next show. But um, it's been a year of AI now, right? And mm -hmm. and it's still just the beginning. And uh, I've said quietly for several years that I think, you know, if you look back in 50 years at the first, you know, 50, 60 years of internet access, I think 
society changes more than it did under electricity and electricity changed everything. Um, and, and I think AI coupled with the internet, I'm, if we can get through it without some horrible uh, biological agent that wipes a lot of people out because someone has access to technology that without the responsibility, if we can get through that, I think it's really going to be amazing what we see in the next 10, 20 years. Mm -hmm. You know what, by then there's going to be people on our show that are going to say, I was only three years old when, when Kim first started talking about that. <laughs> you're welcome, Doug. You're welcome. You're, oh, you're, you, you're fine. you guys enjoy because I hope to be staring at palm trees and not worrying about AI or computers or anything. So that in 20 years, yeah. We'll I, hope to, I hope to still be on this show. <laughs> I think I think people are going to be disappointed in the lag to Mars when they're trying to keep up with this Emmy award-winning show from their new uh, colony. <laughs> but i mean just to give you an idea so did you all see the science story about the um ai that uh developed a low-cost method of creating oxygen from materials on mars uh they said oh, it was taking a human two thousand years to run through the experiments um to I, figure it out i have a life chris so i have not uh, <laughs> caught up with that show yet but uh when i don't i will make sure to Put that on well, my list of our Google watch. feeds are very different. <laughs> and at the other end of the spectrum, Chris, I don't have a life and I didn't see it either. So, <laughs> but I mean, to give you an idea, I mean, I just feel like there's been this expectation that, for instance, we can't remove carbon from the atmosphere without it being very energy intensive. And I wonder how long until there's a creative, weird series of processes that can resolve that. It doesn't change a lot of the things that we need to fix, but there's you don't have carbon eliminators in your yard. <laughs> I do not. I have them growing right out here. They're called trees. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, the time scale is off for our need, unfortunately. Okay. So, okay. I was just wondering. Uh, if you that, I mean, like, you know, looking at like, um, I, I, how, does anyone think that there's a chance that we have significant progress on, on Alzheimer's next year? Um, you know, with uh, the scientific research starting to take on more AI type things. Um, that more or less solves our healthcare issues. If we can get a handle on dementia and diabetes, um, our healthcare expenditures over the next 30 years flatten out hugely. Doug, you're still muted. Let's just all wait in silence while Doug fixes it. <laughs> I think Doug, it's I not know. a hardware mute. I think the software's muted you. Software's muted. It was the software. Yes. This is why we are Emmy nominated. Going to be an Emmy nominated show, guys. This is it. Oh no, that was the that was the humor break. So, yes. <laughs> uh, no, I, there has been amazing breakthroughs in Alzheimer's the last two years. I think they are going to start solving this stuff. So, see, I my reading list is closer to Chris's. This stuff fascinates me. And Doug, your mic switched to a less good one that picks up more resonance from the room. <sighs> Well, we, we are winning. All I'm going to say, and I try to explain this to Chris when we eat chicken wings, is I dig in the dirt for a living. So, you know, when you get into all these like complex topics, that's for smart guys like the three of you. So, well, well. See, see, this is my prediction. We need to make a prediction before our prediction show, Travis, that we need to start a blog that is not smart to combat, you know, Doug's really like interesting um, yes, blog. Yeah. Meanwhile, anyone who's smart who's listening to the show is like, which one is the smart one? 
Not me. Uh, so regarding the bet, uh, I did get fiber. Uh, I believe it was the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. And uh, if we play by prices, right rules, I might have won. But I think Doug effectively won. Um, my hope was the end of the summer. I think Doug was like 2024. So it's closer to 2024. Well, I'm glad you got it. Yeah. No, and I mean, I still have this issue of just, I need a faster internal network to take advantage of all the stuff. So um, let's start talking about the Dark Money campaign and then Gigi can uh, join us when she can, although she'll add more than I think we can. Um, uh, but there is a, a big campaign to try to de delegitimize municipal broadband. And I find it kind of fascinating because municipal broadband is not getting any real benefit from bead. Like we're not seeing any cities being like, Oh, we're going to start a new municipal broadband service. Cause we're going to get money from bead or, or anything else. Um, and so I don't, I don't think we really know what's motivating it. Yeah. I don't think we, any of us know what's motivating it, Chris. I mean, we are seeing a huge push here in Utah. Um, there is rumor on the street that is a $1 million media buy um, against utopia fiber. And it's interesting because I, you wonder what they're trying to really accomplish with going after muni broadband. Do they think that we're going after the bead money? Do they, I mean, what are they afraid of? Um, because, you know, $1 million gets you a lot of media. So uh, what is their, what is their motives? And I'm, I am a person, I will say it up front. Let's have a, let's have a conversation, but at least tell us who you are first. Um, yeah, I mean, let's so before you go, Doug. I do want to put that in context. So, in 2009, Longmont uh, was uh, what we now think of as an earlier wave of municipal fiber. Though at the time, it felt like the more recent wave. Um, they faced a campaign of $250,000 in a city of 80,000 people. Um, they lost the the people that were against municipal fiber. I should say. Comcast won, which was the major instigator there through the Cable Association of Colorado, whatever its name is. Um, two years later, when people learned more about what that election was about, they were horrified. And uh, Comcast put in almost $500,000, breaking uh, the record, again, via the Cable um, Association of Colorado, I should say. But we assume that Comcast was behind it. Um, and, um, and they lost the election 60, 40, roughly when not a single person on the ballot endorsed, uh, Comcast position, they were still able to get 40% of the vote by spending $500,000. A few years later, long, uh, Fort Collins goes and between CenturyLink and Comcast, again, working through intermediaries, uh, believe the campaign expenditure report suggested $900,000 worth of expenditure at that point to try to convince people to vote no. They also lost that campaign. Uh, and, and I think the local group led by Colin and, and um, Glenn, uh, two local boys, uh, they put together a campaign for like fifteen dollars or $25,000. And they were able to win that referendum, you know, with the support of other folks around. So a million dollars is more than we have seen anywhere else. And those were over very specific fights in which, um, I mean, we did an analysis. And at that point, um, I will say in defense of, of Comcast is that like for them losing just a little bit of market share is millions of dollars of lost mm -hmm. revenue per year. And in, in, in terms of lost competitor, lost competitors, and then having to reduce your prices to compete. And so if anything, it would be smart 
for these companies to put more money into it. Uh, and unfortunately, we might be seeing that right here. Now, Doug, um, I see that Gigi has just arrived. So uh, we're going to throw her on, ready or not. Uh, <laughs> welcome, Gigi. We just kicked the topic off. Hi, of course, I I, you know, lost the, the link. What else is new? I'm, I'm juggling 15 things at once, but well, you found it and we welcome you. <laughs> Karen didn't tell you that this is the dress up Christmas show. Yeah, this is, sequence. Me, you know, I'm a Jew. <laughs> Leave me alone. It is, it is Hanukkah, so Happy I think we're not allowed Hanukkah, to make You too. <laughs> Well, this is not really Christmas. This is Grateful Dead skeletons, so we're good. <laughs> so, Gigi, we had just kicked it off, and Kim had explained that we don't know where the money's coming from or even what the overall purpose is, but someone sure is spending a lot of money to tarnish uh, municipal broadband. So yeah. uh, you want to start off by just reminding us uh, who you are and why we think you're an interesting person to talk about this? <laughs> well, my name is Gigi Sohn. I've been uh, doing communications policy for a long time. Uh as a consumer advocate and I uh, was in the FCC for a while. I'd hoped to go back to the FCC as a commissioner, but that didn't happen. So I'm back in the field uh, as an advocate for a number of things, but in this particular context, as the executive director of the American Association for Public Broadband, which advocates for more community owned broadband, uh, we seek to promote the model and uh, we wanna see a lot more communities choose uh, to own their own assets. Uh, their own infrastructure. We want to defend the model, which is under a, enormous attack. I don't know if that has anything to do with the fact that I'm running this trade association. Maybe so. It's you! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe, and also to make sure we get fair access to all the billions of dollars that are floating mm -hmm. out there. Make You know, originally, I think the Biden administration wanted to give community broadband a leg up, but uh, the cable industry made sure that didn't happen. Uh, but we at least want fair access to that funding, whether it be BEAT funding or Digital Equity Act funding or, or ACP funding. So that's what we're about. And uh, we've had a lot of attacks uh, throughout my tenure as the executive director and a lot lately. Uh, and they all seem, many of them seem to involve Kim's company. And I just don't understand why. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, I have no idea, Gigi. Um, maybe it's a tack against both of us. I don't know. Um, maybe it's because you're but, successful and you're scaring the living daylights out of them. I think it's just all we say, always like to say at Utopia is that we just, we wouldn't be in existence if the incumbent or whoever's providing service was actually delivering what the consumer needs. And I think all we care about is just giving communities the choice of whatever they want to do, whether it's going with a big incumbent or going with municipal. We just want to make sure that communities have the choice to make um, the decisions for their future. Yeah, I don't know if um, I just want to also invite Rye on. Rye, if you want to pop on your video and join us for a second and talk a little bit about the year in stats, you'd be welcome too. Uh, but if you don't want to also, I can try and mangle it a little bit. But we did see more municipal broadband popping up this year than I expected. And Rye was just doing some of the research uh, to run down those numbers. If you want to cover them real quick. Sure. Uh, way to put me on the spot, Chris. So um, I, re I recall it was double. So you said there was between 20 and 24 new municipal networks, uh, many of them offering a retail model. Um, the thing that I loved is that that actually um, ignores the fact that there are uh, probably more than 100 towns in Vermont that um, are part of these public utility districts that are moving forward. Sorry, community union district, community communications union districts, That's which 
yeah, you just wrote a big report about it. People will see it at some point here. <laughs> at some point, in a, in a month or so, maybe a little bit longer. Yeah, uh, a bunch of new uh, community-owned infrastructure over the last year. Not only new munis doing it for the first time, but the expansion of some of the ones that have been around a long time, including Utopia. Plus, I think we had six new open access networks launch uh, just in 2023. And so on the podcast, which will come out next Tuesday, um, I just mentioned that 2023 looks like one of, if not the best year for community-owned broadband infrastructure, um, as as we've seen in recent years. Yeah, so Gigi's getting her job done. Do you think that is because of the final result of ARPA coming to, I mean, where did all this get going, right? I think we saw a ton of ARPA projects get off the ground and energize communities in ways that we hadn't seen in the past. I think we also saw, uh, I mean, obviously the pandemic uh, jump-started a bunch of communities. And I think uh, with IAJ and BEAD coming down the pipeline, maybe some communities that were on the fence decided, you know, it's going to happen uh, elsewhere and we don't want to be stuck with the reverse donut hole problem. So let's get our butts moving. I mean, I, my sense is I think people are just sick of the lousy service and the slow speeds are getting from some of the incumbents. Uh, you know, I think the Bountiful City example is a perfect example, right, where, um, you know, the city council decided 5-0 and this was a grassroots, this was a bottoms up movement from the city. They went to the incumbents, they said to the incumbents, give us more, give us better, give us affordable. And they're like, nah, not interested. So I just I think people are, you know. It has been a few years since anybody has argued that broadband isn't an essential service. Uh, but even as the pandemic has allegedly faded, uh, it's still critically important for folks. So I, I think people are just saying we need an alternative. We're just not satisfied uh, with, you know, with what's going on and we want to decide for ourselves. So I'm really excited. And I think I think it's because there's that movement that you're starting to see the incumbents mm-hmm. push back again, once again, I don't know if you discussed this already before I got on, hiding behind dark money groups. Nobody mm-hmm. knows more about the attacks <laughs> by dark money groups than I do. Uh, uh, because the Gigi, company- we still we still want the picture of the billboard in um, Vegas <laughs> that they put up. <laughs> I know, I should frame it and put it on my wall. Uh, but um, look, you know, if, if Comcast came out in its own name and said, we don't want competition, we don't want communities building their own, they would never win a battle. They're still not winning a battle, uh, but they're certainly uh, costing communities money. They're costing companies like Utopia money. They're just trying to delay the inevitable. Uh, but it, it keeps me busy. So I guess it's good in that regard. Yeah, I want to I want to ask you, Gigi, what you're hearing, because I think you've just been doing a whirlwind tour in recent months, uh, hearing from different folks locally. One of the things that we've been hearing distressingly for a while was communities saying, well, we're thinking about it, but we're waiting to see how much bead money we're going to get, to which our answer has always been zero. You're getting zero. What are you going to do? Yeah, I don't I don't hear that much, uh, you know, other than the CUDs. Right. I love those guys. I mean, I work very closely with them. They're going to get bead money. They're lucky they have a state government that, you know, wants to make sure that they uh, get access to those funds. But I'm not hearing that a lot from from other community broadband providers. In fact, I think a lot of them kind of thrown their hands up and said it's going to be particularly with the debt that got the timelines that the states have to, you know, to put together. They've got to put together all of their subgrantees in a year, uh, which, of course, favors the incumbents. Uh, the way the scoring systems have gone, a lot of states favor the incumbents. 
you know, I, I think the community broadband systems realize that they'll still need to be there because very few people think that that $42.5 billion is going to, is going to close all the gaps. So trust me, there's still going to be a role for community broadband, whether or not they get bead funding. But let me mention another um, model that's that's been really interesting. I don't know if people are familiar, and and, and Chris, if you haven't had them on your show, the folks from Connect Humanity, uh, Yochai Benavi, Brian Vo. So they basically have um, you know an investor, big institutional investor who wants to invest in community broadband, and they're they're building in East Carroll Parish, Louisiana. They're building in Memphis. I mean, they've got all these projects um, uh, going on around the country. So it's, you don't just need need government money. There are other sources of money. There's a there's a, a foundation called the Post Road Foundation that's also funding community broadband projects. So there is private money out there and philanthropic money out there. Uh, and you know, getting the bead money is a colossal pain in the neck. It's not an easy process. So um, you know, community broadband advocates and and those looking to build but needing help should not necessarily um, fret if they don't get bead money because there are other other sources of uh, of money out there. Travis or Doug, any thoughts you wanted to jump in with? Well, two things. One is this this idea of the people hiding behind these imaginary corporations. Uh, this has been around since 2000 and, it, and about every two to three years they've resurfaced, but they used to be very focused on one community. Don't let this community go, you know. I, I, so, but all of a sudden, this is very unprecedented. I mean, it used to be they would just, they used to only publish these papers to influence either state legislatures or a handful of Congress people. That was the whole reason. They didn't really care if they were truthful. They didn't care anything about the reports. They were they were actually hilarious to read. Uh, but this is a very different thing we're seeing now. But it's very interesting, Doug, because like at the end of the commercials we're seeing in Utah, it's telling consumers to contact their legislators. And we're we're not in a big contentious battle with a new city. We're not in like we're just building the existing cities. So you're like, what are you contacting your legislators like legislators for? What are you going to tell them? Like I saw the commercial. (laughs) Yeah, like we have almost twenty seven hundred reviews at a four point six rating from our from our residents. So it's like what are you doing? What is your motives? I think that, and that's why it's like the dark money pisses me off. Cause let's just, if it's a fight, let's have a fight. Yeah, you might consider Kim, you might consider reaching out to your customers. I do remember in 2008 Comcast through again, probably the state association in Tennessee, they sued Chattanooga, you know, twice in two different courts lost appealed, both lost. And then they did a, a radio campaign in a, in a, in a media campaign in which they encouraged people to call city hall and City Hall recorded more calls in favor of municipal broadband than they had opposing it. <laughs> so it was kind of a backfire. And, and I don't think they've yet figured that out. So, um, but Gigi, uh, I'm just sort of curious, you know, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, obviously you were the victim of a nationwide campaign. Maybe they're just using a new muscle that you helped them build. <laughs> yeah, it's all my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, again, I, I don't think the cable companies can't come out in their own name because if they if they if they were the ones that put their face out there as 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 disliked as they are, they'd make no progress. So instead they hide behind these, you know, good government groups with anodyne names uh, and to, to try to convince people that that this is a bad thing, that oh well, we'd we'd rather we should be building bridges and roads, which by the way, they also oppose, right? <laughs> Instead of building municipal broadband. So 
One of the other places that they've attacked uh, is, is Falmouth.net. So this is uh, a, a town in Cape Cod uh, that is building municipal system. And uh, it's the same group, the Domestic Policy Caucus. Again, can you get any more anodyne than that name? But they have a separate project, right? They've got the project that's attacking Utopia, but they also have a project, and that's what called nogov.net, like how imaginative. They've got one called Mass Priorities. So it's, it's supposedly just Massachusetts, although it's the same people, this guy Thrasher, who I think David Eisenberg, who many of you may know, guy used to work way, way, way back in the day for AT&T, great public interest advocate. He wants me, he wants this guy Thrasher to debate me in Cape Cod. And I'm like, bring it on, baby. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, I've want to debate me? Go, go for it. I've expanded I wouldn't that choose offer. that. I wouldn't choose that, Gigi. I don't want to debate you. <laughs> like, I've, I've offered to debate and I, and it's weird how often these people are out of town and unable to make the dates that would work, Gigi. So I, I don't think they're going to take you up on it. Uh, Travis, did you have uh, any questions or comments? I was just curious because I'm not really that well versed in this topic. Is this predominantly mid-tier markets and smaller communities doing this? Or are we seeing some initiatives in the uh, major metropolitan areas? It, it tends to be smaller. Um, okay. and, and I've said, um, and I don't, Gigi or Kim, both of you could correct me because you both have a lot of context out there. But if you take the largest 100 metros in the United States, I think there's like 12 or fewer that have an actual plan to do something that's innovative moving forward. And there's 88 who are just hoping that someone else fixes it for them. Uh, so that's how it breaks down in my mind. Yeah. it's And what really drives me bats about, you know, and has for years particularly when I was at the FCC and we tried to preempt the, the laws of Tennessee and North Carolina that prohibited the municipal broadband uh, uh, networks there from expanding their footprints is that, um, you know, it's not like the companies want to serve the areas that the, the community broadband uh, networks mm -hmm. want to serve. They, so they not, not only want to stop competition, they want to stop people from providing service where they're, even, they're not even interested in providing service. And I, I, I can't even think of anything worse than that um, from a sort of anti-consumer, anti-competitive context. Part One of that is they, they, are now, they are now shrill. They are getting scared. Their boardrooms are scared. They, they're all losing oh, yeah. customers. They, they were doing these fights when they were gaining a million customers a quarter, and now they're losing customers. They, they are really starting to panic. It's kind but of it's their own watch. fault. Oh yes, it's their own fault because, like, there is a community that we're that we built in is because the incumbent pulled out of the community. It's not that these communities. I think the the misconversation, the the misinformation that's out there is that the communities want to build their own networks. No, they don't. They want the private sector to deliver, but when they haven't, they have to take their future into their own hands. And by doing that, they're building um, their own networks. Communities and city officials do not want more work to do than they have to do on right. a daily, now, I do, every day. <laughs> I want to add a little bit of context to that. And, and Gigi had said, you know, when you were at the FCC, you tried to preempt. Um, you did preempt. It just didn't we last did. very long. Right. Right. You successfully preempted, and then the city of Wilson expanded its network to serve a nearby town, Pine Tops, as well as a farm nearby that had no high-quality service. 
And uh, then when the Sixth Circuit overturned the FCC, uh, while also finding that all of your findings of fact were correct, they just found that the FCC didn't have the authority, but they found that it was reasonable for the FCC to come to that determination, which I thought was nice of the Sixth Circuit to do because they didn't have to do that, but they kind of did. Um, you know, at that point, the state of North Carolina, rather than just grandfathering that in, literally required that the city of Wilson remove its network from Pine Tops. I mean, this is how ridiculous this has gotten. The people of Pine Tops, I forget which hurricane it was, but they were driving to and from Raleigh before and after the hurricane and during massive recovery, during which Wilson had actually set up fiber to, to the, the camps where people were staying because their houses had been destroyed. And the people of this town are like driving to Raleigh to lobby on telecom because uh, they, they were going to get their network shut off. It's just, it's ridiculous. You can't make this stuff up. You can't, you can't. And, 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 North Carolina obviously got a lot of bead money because it's so under un, unserved and underserved. And there was an opportunity. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the power of the incumbents. Um, well, I'm in North Carolina. This state's completely owned by charter. I mean, there's no question about it. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, like, if you go back and find that Tom Tillis, you know, like his uh, chief of staff, I think, actually went to work for Time Warner Cable right afterwards. And like the connections there, it was, there's a lot of weird stuff that happened in Raleigh uh, around that time that that yes. centered around uh, what is now Charter Spectrum. And a lot of those people are still there running everything. It's, it's gross. Um, Gigi, we're almost out of time. So let me ask you, is there any last points you'd want to share with us? Yeah, I do. Um, I think the most important thing is, you know, one of my I guess challenges as being the head of AAPB is getting current network operators to join, right? Because they think, oh, we're good. We've been operating forever. We're fine. The incumbents are not going to go after us. Well, in Frankfurt, Kentucky, there is a that's been and that network's been around for what a decade more. And it started. It started with one business because that business was going to leave town without the municipal fiber network. Right. Well, there's a state senator now that is 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 pushing legislation to get them to sell the assets to private enterprise. So nobody should be comfortable that because they've been operating and they're well liked. I mean, mm -hmm. look at Utopia, right? Mm -hmm. um, that that they're safe. And if there's one thing that I can do well, and APB can do well, is fight back and shed light, right? You know what they say about, you know, light being the best disinfectant on what's going on. I, I'm not going to take credit for what happened at Bountiful City, but I will say that my op-ed made national news. Like I had people calling me from all over the country saying, I saw your piece. It's an outrage. I am getting some fan mail from Cape Cod as well. So, you know, local communities see this and it pisses them off. So I guess my message is, Look, we're AEPB wants to grow. We want to do more of this. We want to grow the field. Uh, you know, we want to make sure that uh, you know. My feeling is to strengthen numbers. The more of these community networks, the more of these municipal networks that there are, the harder it becomes uh, for the incumbents to knock us down. So I'm encouraging everybody who's listening to this, who likes my message, who loves Kim McKinley, uh, to join AEPB. You know, uh, even as a friend of public broadband because uh, we have a lot of work to do to, to, to make sure that this model goes throughout the country. Wonderful. 
Uh, thank you, Gigi, for joining us. Uh, we look forward to, to having you on again in the future when uh, we can devote more time to this. Uh, but we're thankful for, for you being able to join us. Uh, we hope that everyone has a wonderful holiday. Uh, we will plan on being back uh, with uh, the regular crew on uh, probably that first week of January for some predictions, if we can muster them. Uh, and so, yes, we do still have that new mic coming for Doug, uh, but uh, it's a technical it. hurdle. To get it working. Yeah, Gigi's one worked well. <laughs> I, I should have got that say, one for Doug. Can I just say I love Doug's. I, I read everything you write, Doug. Uh, I you. agree probably with 95% of it. But one day you and I should just have a conversation about some I'm of the sure. policy stuff and how things work in Washington. Uh, sure. You're Like I said, you're mostly right about it. But every once in a while, I'm like, mm, <laughs> I wish Doug would call me. <laughs> yeah, Gigi, if you're, in Asheville, if you're in Asheville, you should stop by. I almost did, and then I bailed because I realized how far away Asheville was from where I was in North, North Carolina. Well, we have out. we have land near Boone that we're building a house in, and we love uh -huh. to pop over to Asheville. So next time, I, I'm i going to take you up on that. Very good. You're welcome anytime. So I just want to say this is our first show. We're, we're building momentum, Gigi. We want to get a digital Emmy. So you're you're the first step. Thank you. Our first celebrity, actually, right? I mean, this is a big deal. So, you know, here, <laughs> feeling the enemy is right in our grasp. <laughs> 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 So with that, I think we're going to wrap up. Uh, I hope everyone has uh, wonderful holidays, uh, gets a chance to disconnect and spend time with family. Or if you just love work more than family, do that. Do whatever makes you happy. And uh, we will see you back in January in a new year. Until then, uh, this has been another great year of Connect This. Mm -hmm.